0: Thanks for joining us for this special episode of our Men at the Top discussion, featuring Harlem Cares Collective founder and MTV executive Imani Cruz. Now remember, Men at the Top is the name of the book from our founder, Oz Elliott. It was released back in 1959, and the way of thinking has changed since then. Fast forward to today. We're excited about All In for NYC Week that begins on Monday, October 17th. With the evening in Central Park at the Tavern on the Green. Hear more in this episode with our special guest, Imani Cruz, who will be hosting volunteers in Harlem during our Day of Action on October 21st. Our Citizens NYC CEO, Rasan Harris, is here to kick things off.
1: <laughs> what we're doing right now is we're trying to introduce how season three, first and foremost, is not apart from season one and two. You got to go back to history, know where you've been to know where you're going. But then pivoting and some of the new features of season three. So we've had an opportunity to talk to the honoree of our Central Park event. It is an evening in Central Park at Tavern on the Green. We're honoring um, Kelly Cornish, so excited about talking to her because we had a great conversation. Episode one. If you haven't copped it, you need to check it out. We are also honoring Mitch Drucker, who's also another honoree from that event. And there are going to be all kinds of stuff, special guests for that event. We have honoree Lyndon H, who's the steel drum extravaganza extraordinaire who's teaching young people in brooklyn how to play the steel drums we got um special guest Amani cruz who is the featured person on this podcast who's doing a wonderful action on the day of action that you are going to hear a little bit more about we have two amazing internationally recognized chefs melba wilson and alexander small so they're going to be all kinds of people that are going to be at tavern on a green on October 17th, Monday. And then we're going to have an amazing ideas impact summit. That's a conference where some of the leading thinkers from around New York city are going to be talking about solutions for impacting New York city in a positive way. And then lastly, we're going to have our day of action that's going to have multiple sites in different boroughs around New York city, where folks can sign up to show up cleaning up, giving out food, just being a positive role model and putting positive energy out there for New York City. So those are all the things that are going down. And we're just excited that our guests are highlighting what we have happening. But before I go any further, I'm just excited to make sure that you get to know the personality behind the voice that like does all those amazing drops with that silky smooth voice. Melanie Morgan, say hello to the people, please.
0: Hello, people. (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I just want to say thank you to Melanie for being on this journey. For those of you who don't know, uh, I was on clubhouse one day, and Melanie and I were already you know friends and colleagues. I asked her to get on clubhouse, and I said, "You know what? This world is a world where podcasts and sharing ideas and using your voice are so important. And I know that you are a radio star, but could you help me be a podcast star?" And that's the beginning that led to the Citizens NYC Live, what was first called Couples in Conversation podcast. And here we are on season three. I think you should let folks know how you're part of the Citizens NYC family. Like, how'd you get to know us and like what you do? How'd you show up for us?
0: Yeah. So I'm Melanie, as the CEO said, this podcast thing, like I was doing radio. And, you know, you open my eyes to just, you know, maybe you should try podcasting. This is something that my um, organization is doing. You know, we do um, a lot of like things with like helping others and just the philanthropy world. And that was something I wasn't really familiar with. But I'm just like, hey, I'll try it. And yeah, we've been racking out ever since. And this has been we've been doing this for maybe about like a year or so. But you know, no,
1: more than a year, more than a year. The first episode that happened that dropped was in, I think, November of 2020. So wow. we're almost yeah. in November of 22. So it's been two years we've been doing this.
0: See, we've been having too much fun. <laughs> 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 I will be here talking about a year. And it was two.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, time flies when you're in a pandemic. Uh, so, no, so. The beginning was coupling conversations, sometimes couples talking to other couples. The first episode was my wife, Elizabeth, and I talking. Then we talked to uh, a board member of of ours, um, Ernest Lyles and his wife, Princess. We had that conversation. And then we tried to couple different people from different perspectives from around New York City. Uh, And that was the concept for the first season. Second season built off of that, but the decoupling of the coupling happened because i think some of the single folks were like well listen this title is even offensive like i'm not all right by myself and and we weren't trying to say that we were coupling people so um it became much more about the citizens nyc live but still putting all the issues on the table so hearing about folks that are leading on understanding about your rights and the wealth gap that exists for certain folks and particularly of communities of color talking about the importance of sport and soccer and talking to folks from major league soccer and talking as always to our grantee partners and some of the folks that we are honoring through citizens NYC, because they are the folks that receive our grants and the folks that are working on the community level to improve the quality of life of their neighbors. I mean, that's what this is all about. So this season, what should you expect? You should expect more of the same. And We're doing a new thing because not everybody has the time to listen to a full half hour podcast. I get that. So introducing folks to new leaders is something that is interesting. And so what we want to do, I think that is the most powerful thing. So we want to create access to these leaders. So we're doing something that harkens back to our past, our one of our illustrious founders, Osborne Elliott, who was the former editor-in-chief of Newsweek magazine. He was a former deputy mayor of economic development in New York City. Uh, he's just a person of the world and 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 knowing a lot of different perspectives. Well, he was interested in knowing what makes a leader great and what are some of the stereotypes we have about leaders. So back in 1959, he. Uh, produced a book that was called men at the top. I repeat men at the top. And it was a book of its time. Uh, so therefore the title is a little bit shocking. Melanie react men at the top. <laughs> what?
0: As a female, I look at that and I'm like, what? Nah, mm-mm. women can be at the top too. We can make it happen. Um Yes. I'll give props to like my fan counterparts, but you know, we could do it. We could rock it out too, you know? Absolutely.
1: The no, women are, but the thing was when it was written in 1959, like the fifties, not even squarely in the sixties, what women were allowed to do, what people of color were allowed to do, what folks of different backgrounds were able to be recognized or not. You know, for the most part, everyone fell back. And I think he wrote the book to say there's not just one way to be a leader. And he had all of these different leaders that came from different backgrounds. And I think it is interesting that we flip the script. Now, how should we flip the script, Melanie, going forward?
0: I think we need to have a conversation about this. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, I get it. It's 1959, long, long time ago, different time, different space. Um, But in 2022, (laughs) the year of the woman we can, you know, we got a voice too, you know?
1: Absolutely. So I would say men at the top, you can scratch out, maybe call it leaders at the top. Or you can say men at the top, question mark, like men at the top? Is that what we're really saying? And I think presenting some of the issues and some of the questions that Oz asked these leaders, you know, who are they as people? You know, where do they get their energy? What are some of the challenges? What's the difference between the personal and the professional? And one interesting segment that we're going to have, Men at the Top podcast, where we ask leaders, men and women, and those that don't identify with either, um, talking to folks that might be from immigrant backgrounds, talking to folks that might have different ethnicities and racial backgrounds and sexual orientations, asking them about what it takes to make them the leaders that they are. And I'm excited that Imani Cruz, who is a volunteer who just saw a problem in her neighborhood and stepped up to solve it through the Harlem Cares Collective is our first Men at the Top guest.
2: I love that you emphasize the question mark because while you can learn, you can always learn something from anybody. So I'm sure he drops a lot of gems in there, but more importantly, it's good to sort of highlight what is missing. Um, And I think that's the beauty of just where we are right now is that they, we have so many different voices, so many different perspectives, and that's why things are better than they were in in 1959. So I feel like we're in a much better situation. We have so much farther to go, but I'm just happy that it's 2022 and not 1959.
0: Me too. Um, Something I was just thinking about was something actually that Rasan has brought up before. And he describes it as the three Ps. There's personal, professional, and philanthropy. Where do those three things show up in your life, Imani?
2: I love the three Ps. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, So professionally, I've worked in entertainment for my entire career. And um, I started off at the beginning of my career as um, an assistant working at a talent agency. And so I've just always loved working with celebrities and especially uh, we call them talent and not talent like employees in our industry. Talent is always means a celebrity. And so I've always worked in talent management And so now I work at MTV Networks and I basically manage all of the talent for the network. So what that means is that we're always casting new shows and I make it a point to always advocate for talent of color, um, making sure that we're not perpetuating negative stereotypes and really being intentional about who we're putting on air. And then we manage all of the talent relations for our existing um, cast members. And so it's a really exciting job. Um, it's fun and it's fulfilling in a different way. And so I've tried to sort of make my life fulfilling in all different aspects. And so my professional life, it's like glossy award shows, celebrities. Um, but you don't get the sense that like you're changing the world in any massive way. And so I guess that leads into my... Um, philanthropic life. I was born in Harlem, but then I my family moved us to Queens just because Harlem it wasn't super safe at the time. So I pretty much grew up in Queens, but then I moved back to Harlem after college because growing up, I would literally have dreams of moving back to Harlem. I grew up right on the block where Londell's is, right next to Strivers Row. My dentist was on Strivers Row. My doctor's office was there. And I just kept having these visions of those brownstones. And I kept saying to myself, that's where I belong. I want to move back to Harlem because it felt like my soul was just calling out. And so I finally got to move back to Harlem when I graduated college. Um, And then a few years after that, the pandemic happened. Harlem, for me, it was always this beautiful oasis and I sort of ignored any negative attributes of Harlem. But then when the pandemic happened, it just felt like, from my perspective, everything unraveled. And I experienced a side of Harlem that I had never seen before because when I left, I was so young and I saw a dark side of Harlem. And I thought to myself, Something needs to change. I didn't feel safe walking home anymore. I didn't feel safe even walking on my block anymore. It was devastating. I would go outside and I would see, you know, so many people that were experiencing homelessness, drug addiction, laid out on the street, nodding off. There were some people who were just laying on their backs on the sidewalk. And I would think to myself, is that person dead? I even one time I saw a police officer and I said to him, like, can you call an ambulance? Because that person might be dead. I just had never seen that before. And he just was so dismissive. And he was just like, that person just having like an episode or like, they'll be fine. And I thought to myself, wow, people just don't care. Like we're just so used to this. People are walking by on their way to work, ignoring it. It was really, really hard to see that. And at a direct result of all of that was a major trash problem. So I would start walking and taking photos because we'd have these trash bags that were ripped into overnight by people looking for things, looking for food, and the trash would be just spread out all over the street. And the stench was atrocious. It smelled so bad. I had to hold my breath as I'm walking to the train station, Um, I would actually see people, teenagers, smoke a cigarette, throw the cigarette butt out, eat a bag of chips, throw the um, bag of chips on on the floor. It was just horrible. And I thought to myself, does this happen anywhere else in Manhattan? Because when I go downtown in certain parts, it doesn't seem like they disrespect the community as much as people in this community do. And that made me really upset because we're in a majority African-American neighborhood and there's so much history, there's so much culture, and this is a place where I want to stay and where I want to live. And so why should I have to contend with this just because we have a certain population? And so uh, my friend and I, we decided that, you know what, let's try and do something to combat this because it doesn't seem like The Department of Sanitation is going to do anything or anybody else for that matter. And so we created this group called the Harlem Cares Collective. And our whole goal at first, honestly, was just to pick up the trash. And so we got some supplies from the sanitation department. We got some supplies donated and we partnered with the Trash Project. And we just got a bunch of stuff we set up one day. I borrowed a table from our building and we just said hey everybody come to lennox avenue on this day at this time and help us pick up the trash and the reception that we received was more than i could have ever imagined we were able to get coverage from pix11 news they did two stories on us we were able to get over 20 volunteers to come out and it was packed there were so many people who had either seen us on the news or people that were just walking by and were like, thank you so much for doing this. Like I've been waiting for someone to do this. And that made me feel so good. And we picked up over a hundred pounds of trash. We had so many trash bags. You can't even imagine how much trash we get from just one block. And it seemed like we were starting like a really big movement because people started emailing us messaging us saying, Hey, however I can help, I really want to help this, um, this movement that you guys are starting. And so that's how that started. And so we just finished our second cleanup and we're doing our next cleanup with Citizens NYC in October. We're so excited.
1: Go to our website and sign up. Y'all better be around Harlem with those pink garbage bags that she's giving out and picking up trash or to go out to the Bronx to visit, you know, Sunshine Garden and our friends up there or be with Dare to Dream, my soccer playing friends that are helping to give out food to folks that need it. All of that is going down on October 21st a Friday. You can sign up for a morning shift if that's better for your work schedule or you can sign up for an afternoon shift. Tell your employers, get them involved. A lot of folks give volunteer days off, make this one of them, make this a, a target and show up and show out so that New York City can be the best city that she can be.
0: I think that's even interesting. What you just touched on was that like companies give volunteer days. Facts. and. That's not, I feel like that's not something that everybody knows. Ask
1: your employer, ask about it. You know, sometimes folks get volunteer days that they don't even use because they never ask. Got to ask the question. So that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do for all in week. We're trying to get folks to either help give of their treasure, um, give of their talent or give of their time. I did it in reverse because the, Tavern on a Green event is a fundraiser. So we want folks to like show up and, and help fund what we're doing. We want folks to give of their talent and of their great ideas. And that's going to happen during our impact summit, which happens on the Wednesday. And on the Friday, it's really giving up your time and just being out there and putting in a sweat equity to make sure the city gets what it needs to, to improve and to thrive beyond this pandemic. And if you go to the Harlem Cares Collective Instagram, you'll see examples. They did news stories on them and WPIX where folks were literally given trash bags and are able to pick up um, trash that was around up in the Bronx sunshine garden. Um, you can hang out with that crew and helping them to get the garden ready for the, the harsher uh, winter months. So the fall preparation of like planting some of the buds so that the daffodils are able to, to um, the bloom next spring, um, putting mulch around and, and, and cleaning up to make sure that the garden is, is ready. Um, or you can go and hang out with the folks in the Bronx, again, for Dare to Dream. think they'll be in the Tracy Towers giving out food to folks that are uh, food insecure and making sure that they have food. So those are some of the examples of some of the things that folks can do. And if you go to our registration uh, link, you can choose and put your first and second priorities, and Citizens NYC will get back to you and let you know which one you've been selected to and where to show up.
0: And I like the idea of just like the average person can volunteer. Like this doesn't have to be what you do day in, day out, but you can be the person that's doing the nine to five, like in something completely different. But then if it's in your heart to give back, you can still do that.
1: It's important to do that. I say, uh, you know, we need to care about where we live. We need to care about our neighbors. We need to, not just think about what's inside our house, but it's like what's around us.
2: Yes. You, Rahsaan, the fact that we're literally cleaning up and you just come up to us in like this Uber XL car and you're just like, hi, um, you know, we give up grants to organizations like yourself. And I, in my head, I'm like, we're not even an organization. <laughs> but it was so exciting to just see like, wow, all we had to do was just start. People walked by. There's one guy who... I think he was like, literally he was a messenger. So he was like an Uber Eats um, driver, like on his bike or whatever. He walked by and he's just like, Hey, what are you guys doing? And I said, we're just cleaning up. Do you want to help? And he goes, okay, I have like 10 minutes. I'll help you guys. And we were just so shocked that he took 10 minutes out of his day. He's, he has a job. He's like a messenger. He has deliveries to make. And he took time to help us because this is his community. And so that makes such a big difference. Another cool story, this couple came by and they said, we want to help you clean because my mother-in-law is coming tomorrow and we don't want her to see all the trash on the block because she's not from Harlem. And in my head, I was laughing, but it's so funny because Everybody wants clean streets. Everybody wants to feel safe when they're walking and not have to smell this stench. But not everybody has either the time or the motivation to do it. And so it felt good that we could sort of lead that charge.
0: Yes. I love that. You're an Afro-Latina woman who's doing her thing, making changes in her community when she sees that there are issues that need to be addressed, not sitting back and just being like, oh, maybe one day somebody will change this. You're actually being the change that you want to see in your community. Um, One thing that definitely inspires me is that you have your nine to five, but you're also pursuing your passion. And your nine to five, is something completely different from your philanthropy work. So I'm curious, of uh, how do you marry the two? How do you balance it and make it all work?
2: In my professional life, you know, I have to be very media savvy. Um, there is like a certain etiquette that you have when you're working in media and entertainment. And I've really been able to translate that over into Harlem Cares Collective because I have so many friends who our journalists, to our on-air talent. And so they were able to help amplify the flyers, my message. I have a friend who's a reporter and I asked him like, hi, I really want this message to be brought out into the community. And he was like, well, I can't do it, but I'll see if one of my friends can do it. One of my friends that works at a different network can help and so he was able to connect the dots and get me so much press coverage because he knew all of these other journalists and all these other um, news anchors. And so if it wasn't for my job, I would not know these people and I would not know how to navigate the media. I was able to pitch our flyer and our story to lots of different um, news outlets in the community that really amplified the message. And um, I have a really good marketing mind where I know what people are going to respond to on social media. So I know that you have to post your photos a certain way. Certain pictures are going to get more attention than other pictures. So I knew that if I posted the shocking photos of all the trash and how much people had torn through it, that they would respond to that. And be so shocked and disturbed by it that they would wanna come help us. Because people, unfortunately, they respond a lot of times to the sensationalism. So I knew that that was a way to get people to come and to get people to help and to wake up. Like we have a big problem. It's not cute in Harlem right now. And being honest about that. People like when you're vulnerable and when you're honest about things. So being transparent about that. Um, In my personal life, I was able to um, get a lot of connections through my boyfriend who works, uh, he works in government. And so he was able to connect me with the 32nd precinct and with a lot of power players in the community in Harlem to, again, help amplify and to get people like Kristen Jordan to stop by and kind of hear more about what's going on. Um, This could be a great way for people that are, you know, wanting to be, Someone of significance in Harlem, people that are running for office to meet their constituents. Because we have so many people that live in the area come out, this would be a great way for someone to come and talk to people and help clean the neighborhood, but also hear what they want in their next leader.
0: Talking about leaders, I think this is a good point to kind of transition into the second half of this discussion. The men at the top discussion. Um, Hassan, um, can you tell us a little bit
1: more? So the men at the top questions are going to be based off of chapters that are in the book. We're going to ask our guests questions that are based off of chapters that Oz Elliott came up with. For example, the change going from chess to checkers. When did you take something that was simple and take it to the next level?
2: Definitely with the Harlem Cares Collective, because I think initially the vision was just to go out and pick up trash, but then I realized that we have a major opportunity to do so much more with this vision, um, and there's really an opening to help out Harlem in a greater way because um, of our connections, our network, um, and our community, so That's definitely when I started thinking a little bit more chess.
1: (laughs) Number two, up from something. We're all up from something. So what are you up from? Like, what is the foundation that was there that allows you to be who you are today?
2: Mm. When I think of my foundation and being up from something, I think about my parents who were a tremendous support to me and this started before i was even born so i come from a multi-ethnic background and my grandmother she was a really big activist in the dominican community and surprisingly both my parents they went to the same college And my dad was president of the Latino Student Union, and my mom was president of the Black Student Union. And so I come from really a family of organizers, activists, and my mom for a long time worked in the nonprofit sector. And she at one point even worked in a shelter. And so she has a tremendous amount of empathy and knowledge, and she's the smartest person that I know. And so coming from that background, I believe that that set me up for success in all of the work that I'm doing to help the community.
1: Pride of the professional. What are you proud of in your professional life that you want other folks to know about?
2: The thing that makes me the most proud is that I have a seat at the table at one of the most impactful media conglomerates in the world. I literally have the power to put people on television to represent everyone. Like when I call talent of color and they're just like, oh my God, it's so nice to see a black woman that's behind the scenes. Because we see a lot of black people in front of the camera and we there are. Not, I'm here to tell you, there are not a lot of people behind the scenes. And that's really problematic because you should not have someone who doesn't look like you crafting a narrative where this person is representing, for example, all Black women or all, all Black men. That's extremely problematic. And that's how the entertainment industry has been since the beginning of time. And so I really believe that my pride comes from telling someone, hi, I think you're amazing, you're talented, and you have an amazing point of view. You have a really great voice. And I want to put you on this television show, or I want to make you the face of this project. That's so powerful. And I take my job tremendously serious for that reason.
1: Home was never like this. So what's changed in the modern household and and the way that we live that wasn't present in past generations and what's different?
2: The main things that I really lean on to support me in my professional, my personal life, um, is my mindfulness. So I meditate usually once a day, but I try to do it twice a day. Um, I try to eat as healthy as possible. So I'm really keeping my mind and my body right, working out. All these things are things that I actually started doing during the pandemic, because over the pandemic, I experienced the lowest moment in my entire life. I had a major nervous breakdown. I was extremely depressed. I was like a shell of myself. I wasn't the funny, vibrant Imani that I usually am because I was lacking that human connection. And that's something that I realized that I need. Um, And so I also need to go inward and learn that you have to still be with yourself at the end of the day because you're born alone and you're going to die alone. So while I do love being around people, I'm an extrovert, but you do have to be mindful. And that meditation time helps me to really center myself and be with myself, which is so important. And that helps me every single day.
1: Politics, together we stand. We're in a world that's really divided. So what brings us together? What are some of the solutions that can bring us together in ways that are much needed right now?
2: I think that the current state of politics is a little sad In my opinion, it feels like people are just looking for reasons to hate one side or the other. Um, I've I've heard people talk so disparagingly about President Biden. And no matter what your politics are, one person cannot fix everything. And I feel like on the other side of that, this is a great opportunity because now the younger generation, Gen Z, can sort of see what's wrong with politics. And hopefully this will motivate them to do things to fix it, because I think that it's good that, you know, here and there we have like low moments and high moments. Donald Trump, I think, needed to happen or else people would just think that everything is groovy and, uh, you know, we're fine. Obama fixed everything. And no one is racist anymore. And America is healed. And that's not true. So President Trump exposed a huge underbelly of the country, which in reality is not an underbelly. It's half of the country feels this way and agrees with him. And so it's important that young people see that the work is not done and it's nowhere near done. And the minute that you get comfortable and that you relax, this happens. And by this, I mean people like President Trump and this movement that he's trying to start and that he has started.
1: And then lastly, how should folks get involved?
2: Uh, What I would want people to know as they're looking for answers is something that we discussed at the beginning of this recording is that they need to ask more questions than create answers. I do believe that asking questions and being a curious mind is how you'll get to a solution instead of walking outside, looking at the trash, all the homeless people, everyone that's on drugs, nodding off and saying, you know what? This is Harlem. This is black people. I'm leaving. I'm out. I've created this narrative in my mind and I answered my own question. And now I get to be right about something, but no progress has been made. But instead I posed a question and I thought, how can this be fixed? I can't fix the homeless problem and I can't fix the people that are on drugs, but I can do something small that might have a larger effect that then might influence someone else to create a potential solution to all those problems. Our Harlem Cares Collective group, just doing monthly cleanups might actually encourage those people that are outside, that are homeless, that are on drugs, to step in and help us and maybe say, you know what, I want to help you guys out too.
0: If you're all in for NYC, you can register to get involved in the week of events at citizensnyc.org.